You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast. We read them so you don't have to, because feeling disgust is better than feeling nothing at all. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the man Mortician Monthly voted Practice Dummy of the Year three times running. (laughs) Benedict, what's the most stereotypically manly thing you've ever done? Ooh, uh, shaved my head, but only because I had to. Really? Yeah. That's your answer? Yeah. You've never, like... Because, okay, look, manly is a stupid word in the yeah. 21st century. It doesn't really have much meaning. It doesn't make sense. But, like, I'm, I mean, stereotypically manly. Like, have you ever ridden a dirt bike or yeah, you know, I mean, killed I get, a man with your bare hands? I'm legally not allowed to discuss that. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I probably, honestly, like, going to the cigar bar with you and having, like, a fucking <laughs> cigar and whiskey like that's pretty up there probably yeah i'm glad i'm glad to have made you more manly then very glad there you go okay i guess i guess uh we gotta work on that i'm sure that doesn't even make your top 10 mr x mechanic like see and that that's the thing right i guess i don't look at that and it's weird because i i you know have job interviews all the times and things because i'm trying to get a job as a lawyer and that's still on my resume And I leave it there because it's such a great talking point. Because people see that and it's really interesting. So it's just a blurb far down on my resume. But I realize whenever anyone asks me about it, I don't find it that interesting (laughs) or that manly or that, you know, because like I lived through it. I did that for five years. That was my life. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, you show up at work, you get your job done and you go home. That's all there was to it. There's a bunch of racists I work with. (laughs) Uh, and that's about the end of the story. Not show listeners, then, no. <laughs> no, no, but I have to embellish. I have to embellish to make it sound much more interesting. And I have, you know, I have a standard go-through about that whenever someone asks me about, right? I have a joke worked up for it, right? Which is that, you know, after high school, I, I sort of didn't want to go to college, and so I went and did this, and I worked for five years as a mechanic, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, somewhere along the line, I learned the hard way that my parents were right all along, which usually gets a chuckle. Usually gets a chuckle. You got a chuckle from me. That's about, yeah. that's about the level. Like a See, soft, a soft chuckle. It, it's, a, it's a decent interview laugh line. It very much is. But I guess you could say that's a, a stereotypically manly thing that I've done. Yeah. I think like, working on stuff like that, being a mechanic, that's pretty... Pretty stereotypically manly. I think my joke would be I worked as a mechanic for five years so that I could afford my first semester of college. 
<laughs> Problem was, by the time I got done with that, I didn't have any money left to go work, to go uh, take my first semester of college. Uh, the student loans hurt. Anyways, <laughs> Benedict, uh, you got any hot takes for us this week? Ooh, hot takes. Uh... The protest came by my house the other day, and it was one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. That's Again, not really a hot take. Not a hot take. Not it's a hot take. Warm take. So again, it's a I did once again forget to put it in the show notes that you were supposed to have one ready. And even though I know you don't look at them before we start recording, um, I do normally maybe... look at them once we've started recording. Though, to be fair, yeah, yeah. Uh, we should mention, I mean, we are recording this ahead of time. We're recording this on the 3rd because you are about to head off and visit your in-laws mm-hmm. uh, for about two weeks. So we are recording way ahead of time. So if we are not up to date on something major that's happened out there in the world, that uh, is why. That's, that's <laughs> why. That's exactly why. What about you, Kevin? Do you have a hot take? Yes, I do, actually. Um, and sort of surprisingly, it's that pro wrestlers are not all terrible individuals. Have you ever watched pro wrestling? Is that a thing in the UK? Yeah, I used to watch WWF SmackDown okay. and Raw back in the I'm day. I'm very it's glad you didn't start going, oh, yes, well, I prefer the Greco-Roman to the Olympic-style <laughs> wrestling. I think that it's more loyal to the sport, you know? <laughs> That's a pretty good accent. Yes. Um, I'm glad I, you understood what I meant by pro wrestling. You, you which didn't is, know which that? Is They're like, the rock seems awesome. Like, No, so, so but there are a lot of them who are, because there's a very right-wing um, tint to WWE and fan base is is my perception right and well there's a lot of look jesse ventura was a fucking wrestler before he went off to be a crazy person and governor there's and vince mcmahon right obviously (laughs) donates to republicans is a huge donald trump uh friend and fan but i found out recently because i got into like a youtube wormhole right where you just oh that video looks good i'll watch that one next uh, eventually ended up becoming a white supremacist because I watched so many YouTube videos, <laughs> of course, as we know happens. And I found out that, um, I don't know if you you remember this wrestler from back in our day, but CM Punk. Oh, yeah. CM Punk? Does, yeah. It, that was towards the tail end of me yeah, watching wrestling. Yeah, used to fight with Rey Mysterio a lot. Yeah, yeah. 619. Uh, Rey, yeah, CM Punk is an atheist and a environmentalist and a pro-LGBTQ rights guy. I mean, his character was very like that, though. Right, and he's actually like that in real life, but he's not like a tightwad straight-edge type thing. He's like a genuinely good person straight-edge Isn't Kane like the mayor of a small Kentucky town or something? I don't know. I I don't know about that. He's a politician of some form. If it was going to be a state, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Kentucky, to be honest with you. Man, the yeah. Kane and Kane and the Undertaker were my jam back in the day. Oh, the Undertaker, man, when he rises up out of the coffin. Yeah, I didn't watch that much wrestling as a kid, but you know, occasionally when you sneak out to watch the TV late at night, and it's like that's what's on on a Monday night back in the heyday when we had uh, both. Uh, uh, I don't remember what the Turner wrestling was. Um, Impact wrestling? No, I don't remember what it was called. TN. TNA or no I don't I think it was something else and WWE like that's when you'd catch it and the yeah the Undertaker man that was a show it was all about putting on a show and as much as wrestling is a joke and deserves to be a joke there was some fun stuff that happened there when you were a kid yeah and you could just when you were a kid yeah like (laughs) anyway Kane is uh, the Republican mayor of Knox County Tennessee oh that's horrible Assumed well, office in 2018. Just, there you go. 
He's pretty bad, but not all wrestlers are terrible people. Turns That's out good. CM Punk, pretty awesome guy. Anyways, Benedict, it's time to take a run over your bookshelf. So it what is. do you have for us today? Today, I have Eduardo Galeano's Open Veins of Latin America, which I think is the book that uh, I think it was Maduro gave to Obama when he visited the White House. So that's fun. And it's about the struggles of Latin America with various imperialisms throughout the years from Spain to Portugal to modern American imperialism and Operation Condor, which everyone should definitely look up if they're unaware of Operation Condor, because that's a huge thing that happened that everyone should know about. Much better than Operation Cassowary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Did it... Do you know about the emu war in Australia? I, You know, I remember <laughs> hearing about that and... There's so many like weird little things like that. I don't remember the the particulars, th- but I'm pretty I know sure, I've heard I think the, name the Australian before. army lost a, or had higher casualties in the emu war. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't it, they didn't have a good time of it against the emus anyway. Okay, but cassowaries are scary as shit. They birds. are they are they are Fucking velociraptor birds. birds. Yeah. Like they yeah. are literally you can see that when when people are like dinosaurs are basically birds and then you see a cassowary <laughs> you're like yeah that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking scary. <clears throat> so do you have a book recommendation then i do and uh even though i i mostly prefer to mock this entire idea with things that are not books i actually do have a book this week uh because uh, as everyone knows i was home visiting my parents for two weeks and i uh my old bookshelves are still there uh which are in large part filled with right-wing trash <laughs> but in other parts do have some good because you know towards the end of my time living there uh, and, you know, I had to move in during summers in between semesters and things in college and uh, when I lost my lease and whatever. So there is some good stuff still sitting around there. But The People's History of the Supreme Court by Peter Irons, okay. which is pretty good. It is. Uh, he was a, a, a contemporary and a colleague of Howard Zinn, who people might be familiar with for The People's History of the United States. Very, very famous book. Uh, just a great run through the entire history of the Supreme Court from a sort of progressive perspective, uh, focusing on what they did that impacted people on an economic level, has spends a lot of time obviously talking about the Lochner era and economic reform mm. and things like that that happened afterwards, okay. uh, moving up to World War II. Very good book, very interesting. If you're interested in the Supreme Court but don't want to spend an outrageous amount of money going to law school like I am, <laughs> uh, check out The People's History of the Supreme Court. Not bad. Is it um, written in the same style as like The People's History of the United States? Did it come before or after that? Like that's it, be- it, be- it came... Let me... I have it right here. I pulled it off my... I actually... See? Pulled it off my bookshelf. It, I can confirm I to the listeners it, of the podcast that Kevin is holding it up the and book. I brought it home with me because, you know, I wanted I wanted to read it again because it's a, a good book. Let me see what year it was published real quick. Uh, it was published 2006. Okay, so, so People's History is after, 1980. Definitely so after yeah, well People's after. History, yes. Yes. I don't know why I never looked. And <laughs> it does have chapters with Scalia in it and things and late towards the end of his career so yeah it's definitely definitely after okay but it does have a forward or at least the version i do i have has a forward by howard zinn so. okay so it's, it, it's presumably written to be an homage to that book and yes take exactly that. okay exactly anyways benedict uh before we get going with the chapter this week of triggered uh just one other little thing which is there is a new patreon only bonus episode available Ooh. right now which uh is not i mean 
in existence at the moment because we're recording it as soon as we get done with this episode. We were going to do it before, but Kevin closed all his tabs. I had organizational issues. It happens. Don't get on me. <laughs> uh, but we we talked about Liberty University and reviewed some of the courses in Liberty University's course catalog, which, as you can imagine, are outstandingly bad. There's some very interesting and very scary stuff in there, and we didn't we didn't focus so much on what you would expect, like the religious classes, the Bible <laughs> study and things like that. There's some scary things they throw into the descriptions of other seemingly normal courses, and in some cases, courses that it's just scary that they have oh, uh, no. that we delved into a little bit to look at. Or we so will be, be delving into, I should say, because yeah. I know what we're going to be talking about. I do. You haven't heard any of them this yet. This is a surprise. Kevin yes. refused to share that link with me because he knows <laughs> I'm too lazy to look it up by myself. I know. I know. So we're going to be talking, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Liberty University in general and why it's uh, not a real college in my estimation, and we're going to go over some of the offerings that they have there. So if you want that, remember the only way to get it is to go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC where we do a new patron-only bonus episode every month. I know we were supposed, this one we're doing today is supposed to be for May, but because I was out of of, uh, my home for two weeks visiting my parents, we're a little bit late on it. Sorry about that, patrons, but we're going to be getting it to you just very, very soon, probably by the end of this week, by which I mean, you know, two weeks before you hear this episode. <laughs> so, anyways, Benedict, it's time to return to our book review of Triggered by Donald Trump Jr., who is what happens when you pour 267 cans of Monster Energy drink into a $5,000 suit. <laughs> Benedict... What did we read this week? Well, this week we read what happens when the author of My Immortal decides to self-publish their fanfiction to prove the haters wrong. And you don't understand that joke. See, this I did not write that joke. We just spent we just spent like <laughs> 45 seconds cuz I wrote that joke and it's been sitting in our notes for a long time and maybe two people in the audience will get it. Maybe somebody else will Google My Immortal and find the Wikipedia page and then laugh. But yeah, nobody's going to get that joke right off the bat. <laughs> I definitely did not get the joke. I gave it my best blind read. It's an read. obscure joke, but yeah. it's, it's pretty damn funny to me. All right, and can I do my alternate really chapter title yes. now? Yes, well... Okay, so it's chapter 12, The Enemy of the People, with a question mark, which is important for the audience to know so that I can do my alternative chapter title, which is simply chapter 12, Betteridge's Law. Which, again, is a joke that most people won't get. So I'll explain it because those are the best jokes. Yes. Betteridge's law is a, a journalism law that states that any, any title that's phrased as a question, the, the only thing that can follow it is no. That's the, <laughs> that's the sum of the... So the enemy of the people? No. That's what the chapter should be. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, my yours? alternate chapter title was The Enemy of White People. <laughs> And I have to say, like, Donnie Jr. doesn't have the accent, but you can tell when you hear him talk. And I have spent plenty of time listening to him talk, unfortunately, as we've done this this review, because when he mentions an interview he does, I will usually go back and look it up and listen to what he says on YouTube or wherever I can find it. But I get the impression that he wishes he had the accent where he pronounced white, 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 yeah, white. Yeah, exactly. I can see that. And anyone who pronounces white that way, you should turn away and run from. You really should. Because they have a gun. They have, they have, it's not a question of do they have a gun, it's how many guns do they have. 
and how bad do they want to shoot <laughs> pretty bad probably so this chapter is about the media essentially if you if you hadn't yes. got that already it's it's about the fake news so we get a lot of examples about how mean the media is to the trump family Aww. well here's what i want to say off the bat is that he doesn't actually get there are like probably a couple of examples out there of people just making shit up for spite I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's probably like some smaller media outlets who did some shitty stuff. But basically what he gives us throughout this book are mistakes that were then fixed or retracted yeah. or, or updated. And that, and honestly, when we get down to the Trump screaming enemy of the people, screaming fake news, that's what it's always been. It's been mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely. It's, it's one of those interesting phenomena where people actually apologize for their mistakes and none of the trumps do <laughs> and then they're criticized for acknowledging that mistakes were made right. is the and is the it, weird it, thing it's critical to note that it's a way of downplaying the import obviously of downplaying the importance of the media right it, duh, yeah that makes obvious sense but so that no one pays attention or at least nobody on his side pays attention when actual big important stories come out. Like, I don't know, for example, that Donnie Jr. met with a Russian operative trying to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. Oh, he glosses over that beautifully. He talks about one bit, we'll get to it, he talks about <laughs> one bit of muddled reporting that came out of that yeah. without mentioning what the meeting was about at all. Yeah. It's like, you remember the meeting where I was supposed to have been revealed as a Russian agent. And it was like, yeah, what happened at that meeting again? Well, there, are e there is an email exchange where he's like, yeah, yeah, I love it. If that's what you have, I love it. Remember? that's uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a big piece of importing that uh, the New York, New York Times, I believe, broke that one. I don't remember exactly who broke that one. Uh, yeah, I think it was. But generally, you can rely on it's either the New York Times, the Washington Post, or BuzzFeed these days. BuzzFeed's Breaking great. Breaking a lot of big stories. BuzzFeed is great. BuzzFeed, we have to be honest. We have to give them the props they deserve. But we start off this with complaining about how when Obama, and no, that wasn't a, a typo, that wasn't a mistake, I said. When Obama took a trip to England for a state visit, he was met with a protest that flew a diapered baby Obama balloon over the streets of London, <laughs> dot, 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 yeah, right. <laughs> it's that writing style we've grown to love and oh, hate so much. absolutely love it, yeah. It's, it'd love to start off a chapter with fake sarcasm. <laughs> consternation like the, in the form of sarcasm absolutely love it and it's like okay well the reason why you throw in that yeah right there and the reason why it makes sense that that didn't happen to obama is you know he wasn't the most reviled man on the planet whereas donnie is obviously. no but also like there was some pretty fucked up shit at some of the Tea Party protests. I don't know if you remember the Tea Party protests, but yes, some Benedict, of that was I bad. I supported the Tea Party protests. You remember what I was like back then. Well, you didn't know me I didn't know then, you then. But we you were not a bit friends. you what I was like back then. <laughs> I do, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can't selectively pick out the... Also, the giant baby thing is legitimately funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the, the giant baby is, uh, is, is is continuing on here through the next page because what he's going to bring up next. For, well, first I have to say he says it, uh, his father's poll numbers. In oh, England this is my so favorite hot, favorite line. But of quote, <laughs> but quote, neither were George Washington's. You know why? Because he fought for America. <laughs> Actually, he didn't. He thought he fought for the thirteen colonies at the time. 
At no uh, point w- did George Washington actually fight for America, I would suggest. Oh, that's fantastic. That is the best stupid comparison of oneself or one's one's family, rather, to a famous person I have seen in this book yet. That is, am- I mean, that might be dumber than the, as I drove through uh, the graveyard thinking about all my family had sacrificed. It might be dumber than that even it's i had blacked that out of my mind no that's worse that is way worse like i went through yeah. arlington cemetery and thought about the sacrifices my family have made yeah there's definitely more definitely definitely more heinous but i don't know if it's dumber yeah uh, maybe not no i think this is dumber this is definitely yes. dumber. yes so what he's doing the reason why he's bringing this up here is to point out the obvious hypocrisy of the fact that that balloon ran and every newspaper and every newscast had it front and center. It was the big story. Which, no, I, I couldn't find any newspapers that had it on the front page. There might have been some smaller ones. Maybe the New York Post. Who knows? I think, but again, most- the thing the thing was, like, Trump people getting offended over it was what right. made it a big story. Exactly. And turning it into, like, a massive, like petition to ban this from the thing that was what made it a big story it's what's it streisand's law whatever it's called of of the internet yes. like if you try yes. and take something down or quieten something it, it just, just amplifies it yeah yep but the reason why he's bringing it up is to compare it to what happened i don't know if it was months or weeks later when a bunch of right-wing shitbags decided to run a fly a balloon of sadiq khan the mayor of london in a yellow bikini and it's such a beautiful, stupid self-own for him to put that in there because the point of that stupid Sadiq Khan balloon was to prove that Sadiq Khan was a hypocrite and that it was a double standard and they would (laughs) let the Trump balloon fly, but they weren't going to let this one fly, to which Sadiq Khan was just like, yeah, I mean, if they want to stare at me in a bikini all day, (laughs) go for it and let it fly. But he points out, he points out, and I know you refuse to read Metro UK, <laughs> but no, it's the Sun. I don't read. I'm fine with the. Oh, Metro. I thought it was Metro. You don't read. No, okay. the Sun. The Sun did some bad reporting about uh, Liverpool fans back in the day, which is my sports. <laughs> so team. you refused to read the Sun over football? No, they they claimed that it was a whole thing. People died in like a stampede. Oh, that thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was just because I didn't look. I'm not as tuned in to uh, a British soccer. Uh, no, no, they didn't just write about a player. There. They accused Liverpool fans of being murderers, basically, and they weren't. So the whole was that the whole police cover up thing? Kind of, yeah. They 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 released police statements and and did coverage calling Liverpool fans murderers, and basically the entirety of Liverpool stopped buying the Sun, which was good. Nice, nice. Well, anyways, uh, they point out that in the Metro, uh, they ran a headline. He says warning that quote. Flying the Sadiq Khan balloon is not an exercise of free speech. It's a party for bigots, which is the hypocrisy of the MSM, the mainstream media. uh, Presumably one person's opinion. Like, that's an opinion piece. Yes. Yes, I pulled up the piece. And if you look at it, very top, there is a blue, big, bright-lettered opinion sitting at the top of that Who's it by? Because of course it is. It is is by Matthew Butcher, who was a member of the Trump baby balloon team. Okay. And the point he makes... I mean, that is a bit stupid, I guess, the him writing that piece, but sure. Well, the whole point he makes about it is that... And, and look, he's correct that the Trump baby balloon... right? Protesting Donald Trump has legitimacy, right? That, that's my view. I think most of our listeners... I don't know. Our listeners may disagree with me. I know we have a lot of Trump supporters <laughs> out there. 
protesting Trump is generally legitimate because he's such a shit human being. Whereas the Sadiq Khan balloon was complaining that there wasn't an ad on the subway of a woman in a bikini. Yeah, they they banned uh, ads that could sexually objectify people. It was like, get beach body ready or something. And they banned it because there was a backlash because... Whatever, whether you think that's the right decision or not, like everybody's beach body ready. It was the point that people made. Like you don't have to be a skinny person in a bikini to be beach body ready. Like if you're at the beach, that's your beach body. You're ready. Right. You did it. <laughs> and and the the Sadiq Khan balloon was heavily supported by a bunch of horrible right wing groups like the Democratic Football Lads Alliance, an anti Muslim far right hate group. Cool. Rebel Media, an anti Muslim far right hate group. Awesome. The Voice of Europe. Uh, yep. Anti-Muslim heart-right hate group. Paul Joseph Watson, petty jocular wonker, anti-Muslim far-right <laughs> hate guy. I remember when we used wanker. to call him that. Oh, that wanker, not wanker. Wanker, that's right. Yeah, petty jocular what did I wanker. Say? Wonker? Wonker, Wonker's yeah. Wonker. No, wanker is funnier. All right, wanker. So, right, that's the point, is that the, the Sadiq Khan balloon did stem in large part from racism of these assholes who were putting it together. And the, the creator of the Sadiq Khan blimp itself was... Uh, found to have tweeted out a bunch of anti-Semitic shit in the past. Shocking. Truly no, shocking. Yeah, absolutely. So look, that, it was a completely reasonable point to make that the Sadiq Khan balloon was a bunch of bigots doing some stupid shit. Whereas the Trump balloon, well, Donald Trump is a baby, and protesting Donald Trump is a good thing. Which <laughs> I know, Don, I don't expect Donnie Jr. to understand. Honestly, protesting people you disagree with is a good thing. Like, I, I honestly am okay with the Sadiq Khan balloon, even as he was yeah. as well. Like, whatever. Yeah, he like, laughed can it do, off. He thought it was funny. People can do what they want. If they want to fly a balloon, that's a very, like, even, even if the people doing it are bad people, that's a very, like, baby... That's a friendly form of protest that whatever. If you think it's funny, it's fun. I actually don't think the Trump baby balloon is that funny. Like it's funny because of his reaction, but it's not a particularly funny protest. Like, yes. But uh, you may be surprised to find that uh, Metro also ran an article, not an opinion piece, titled when and where to see the Sadiq Khan balloon and why the blimp shows the mayor in a yellow bikini. (laughs) I mean, that's just an SEO piece as, as you know, we've both written for the internet. You have to do like, you have to answer the questions that people are going to Google. Put out so many stupid stub articles just to get links to your damn website. God, I hate the internet. Yeah. The internet's the worst. It is. But he pivots from the Sadiq Khan balloon and the Trump baby balloon to a stupid non sequitur. I says, love when he pivots for just one paragraph, too. It's like yeah. he doesn't even like, okay, now that's done. And I'm going to do this new section where I build the argument. Whereas actually what he does is, and Obama, which is... It's always a dumb, unrelated whataboutism. That's all it is. Because it literally is a pivot to, well, what about Obama getting the Nobel Peace Prize just 11 days after he took office? Well, the nomination 11 days after he took office. To which, like, that's completely unrelated to everything you ever said, unless, and this may be the case, I happen to think this is true, Donnie Jr. thinks the media awards the Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) Yeah, he's got confused. You mean the Nobel Peace Prize? The Nobel, oh, God. There's so much insanity in this administration, (laughs) you can't keep track. I had completely forgotten that, and that was just like three or four weeks ago. Yeah, a lot's happened since then, to be fair. There's been a lot going on. But, okay, I'll grant him. I kind of agree that Obama shouldn't have got the the Nobel Peace Prize. That's fine. I, sure. 
yeah, I didn't really see a reason that. for it. You, yeah. you can believe that and be completely, it makes perfect sense. There's nothing crazy about that. But what does it have to do with anything he was saying before? Nothing is the answer. No, no. As of course, nothing to do with anything that he was talking about before that. It's just a non sequitur to try and trash someone else and divert attention from what was what was going on previously. But also, the the other thing is even, and I'm not super read up on this, but presumably he wasn't awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for his actions as president of the United States. Like presumably, it was something from in his previous. Wow. Well, he w- he was nominated 11 days into his term because that's when the nomination period closed. Yeah. It wasn't awarded, I think, for another almost a year after that. Yeah, so but they presumably did it wasn't for they... his work as president, though. It's no, it was. Exclusively. It was. It, it was. Yeah, he, he, gave, he did a lot of work on nuclear disarmament and things like that. He gave speeches in Europe and blah, blah, blah. So they, the Nobel Committee, which is, if you didn't know, a bunch of uh, people, Norwegians, I Swedish. think? Yeah, Norwegians. Swedish. Swedish? Swedish? I thought yeah. it was Norwegian. No, Swedish. Oh, well, um, did take that into account, uh, the, the actions of his first year in office when they decided to award. And they said pretty explicitly that they were taking into account the actions of his first yeah, year Yeah, ta- taking into account, but presumably the nomination, he had to have done something in the time before that. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but. I mean, you could argue that he was a great, uh, he brought so many people together. Um, I mean, it is whatever you think of it, a huge accomplishment becoming the first african-american president of the united states i don't know if it's nobel worthy but look there are legitimate criticisms of the nobel prize uh i don't think donnie has any of those or can synthesize any of those i think he just wants to say well he's got 11 days and he gave it to him and stupid yeah i, I mean to, to be fair i think this this is the one paragraph where i'm like okay fine because he, yeah. talk, he talks about increasing troop levels in Afghanistan. He talks about drone strike increases, which have continued under the Trump administration increasingly as well. And responsible for the death and injury of tens of thousands of people in wars across the Middle East. Sure. Again, yeah. like I, I, Obama is not my cult leader. I agree that those are all bad things. But also you haven't stopped doing those things. And look, maybe you're giving Donnie Jr. more of the benefit of the doubt than I tend to. But... No, this paragraph is fine. This this whole paragraph I am okay with for the first time in the book. Okay. This is it. All right. All right. I guess we can move on then. Because the next thing we get, we get a little little break in the page, which starts talking about how his dad, Don Sr., had such a great relationship with the press. They were all so friendly. He knew all the network anchors and the columnists, and they would call him all the time for quotes about stories. They wrote flattering profiles about him. Mm. But that all changed the moment he started running for office. Can I just point out that that is just how the press often works, in that if they have a source that then they know is good for an interesting comment or an inflammatory comment or anything like that, they're always going to call that person and be like, what do you think about this? Right. And then, I mean, I've seen interviews with a guy who used to work the gossip beat in New York City. I don't remember what magazine or what newspaper. And uh, it's one, you know, one of those Trump documentaries, the many that are up on Hulu or Netflix or wherever. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, well, yeah, like Donald Trump would just like, we'd, he'd call me and he'd give me all this information about who was sleeping with who and who was doing what. But he just demanded all the time that I put his name in the paper because that's what Donald Trump is always about. Yeah, it's about. a branding exercise. Exactly. It's all about the branding. But he says that it was from the moment that The Apprentice became a mega hit. When was that, that the, Kevin? 
When when did uh, The Apprentice become the mega hit? I I never watched that damn show. Man. No, it, it's in a parenthetical. The oh. answer is right in front of you. <laughs> Which is to say, from the very first episode, yes. <laughs> Which, to be honest, like, from my recollection of reading about it, yeah, like, it had a good time slot and did take off after that first episode. Fine. He was a reality TV host. We've seen the producers of The Apprentice say that, yeah, we, this is all show, man. It's, I mean, have you ever seen those guys talk about it? I the haven't, but you've told me about it before. Yeah. But how it, it's all... Smoke it's and mirrors. Sham. But that's all, all, the, smoke and mirrors. all reality TV. No, nothing on reality TV is of reality. Of course not. Of course not. Nothing's reality. But he says that the reason why they continued to cover him, even though they started to hate him, was because they knew it would be good copy. Because it's all about ratings and clickbait today. It's not about the news. Which, again, is something that generally, yeah, that's a problem with the news media. Is that they have had to shift in the age of the internet. They do need to get more clicks. They do need to write more inflammatory headlines. He's not leveraging that as a legitimate criticism. He's writing that to say, that's why they're all fake news. I also think that people hark back to this golden age of the print media. Like, I'm not sure that it ever existed, really. Like, Mm -hmm. the guy Pulitzer, who the Pulitzer Prizes... Was a yellow journalist. Yellow journalist, yeah, exactly. Literally starting the Spanish-American War with Hearst. Exactly, yeah. Hearst, again, a massive journalism company founder still exists today like just a massive tabloid journalist the pair right. of them so i don't think you and, know. and undoubtedly there were papers that they own people who worked at them who did do great reporting who did do great work but that still exists the today but exactly you can heavily dislike jeff bezos which i and many others do even though he would probably murder me upon sight if he had the chance because <laughs> he looks like he wants to kill people <laughs> And still like the work of the Washington Post investigative reporting team. Yeah. Because they've done amazing work. There are some incredible reporters who work for the Washington Post. Yeah. And also, I like, again, same with Jeff Bezos, but I also think it's good that he is funding good journalism. People have many shades. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if we have to give some credit where credit is due. Funding the Washington Post so that they can just keep doing what they're doing It's a good move. It's a good thing. It's important. He has the money to do it. I'm glad he's doing it. It's like Bill Gates. The dude spends all his money on vaccines and shit. Fine. You you also were a shitty businessman in the past. Now you're doing (laughs) some good stuff. I would prefer you had paid your taxes originally, but like if you... (laughs) At least you're doing the good stuff. I'm still going to criticize you for the shitty stuff, like not paying your taxes and running a pretty aggressive business. Paid higher taxes. Let's just say that. I don't know anything about Bill Gates' tax history but i I don't want to like i don't want to lose us any listeners here by (laughs) saying like of the billionaires heavily qualified statement here of the billionaires bill gates is probably like the most moral because the dude literally legitimately does just spend all of his time trying to eradicate disease and hunger with his billions about george soros there you okay. go. I just won the won the listeners back. I'm sorry. Oh. I, we, well, we don't want to lose our Soros checks. We have to we have <laughs> to earn true, our yeah. Soros checks for the for the month. Daddy George, <laughs> I want a Soros check, man. <laughs> where's my Soros check? If it was as easy as the right wing media tells me, where's my yeah. Soros check? Yeah. Anyway, I love that. Uh, the next thing that happens is he basically admits that the Trump following is a cult because he's like, yeah. oh, you could put that Oprah interview on the 
because he said he does an Oprah interview in 1988 and his views haven't changed much. But it's mm-hmm. like you could put that there in, the, on, in a modern day MAGA rally and the crowd would go wild. It's like, yeah, because they would go wild at anything. Like they, I, I'm not sure how much like position, like if Donald Trump tomorrow came out and said the wall is a bad idea and here's why, they would go along with it. I'm pretty sure. Because it's not really about the wall. It's about Trump now yeah for a lot of and people. i went back and watched that interview and basically it's just oprah asking well do you think you're going to run for president and him rambling for about a minute about how uh oh, trade so unfair so unfair japan dump- dumping all their stuff on our market it's japan back in the day not china he's complaining about and it's, it, that's all it is it's okay you have a, a 45 second clip of him rambling about how trade is unfair fine nothing of substance there but then we get to the moment of Donald Trump's announcement that he was going to run for How president. How many the fucking times ride. have we talked about this announcement? I, I swear, like, I've read the word escalator. I think it's like an obligatory drop at this point, almost times, every chapter. I've read the word escalator more times in this book than I think I've ever read it, ever. It's ridiculous. Maybe the whole family just has an, are escalator enthusiasts. Maybe that's their one true passion, is I wonder, escalators. I wonder what the Greek for that is. Uh, escalator feel it. What was I don't? I'm sure there's no Latin word for escalator. No, so. it's probably just stairs. It's probably like kine, like moving stairophile is probably how they do it. Yeah, something like that. So it'd be kinestarophile or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but he says that that day didn't just mark the beginning of the campaign. It was the beginning of the end of any credibility the liberal media still possessed. Okay. Sh- <laughs> tell us more <laughs> tell us more donnie and he's going to tell us more throughout this chapter so he says that at the beginning of the campaign that's when they started the fake narrative according to junior that his dad was racist uh he got it, sued for being racist in his yes. apartment buildings along yes, with his father so and know. it's important to note is a racist very important <laughs> to note i believe uh but he says that if they give him any fair coverage at all it wasn't because they liked him is because they thought they could knock off more viable Republican candidates to ensure a victory for Hillary. To be fair, I think a lot of people did think that. Not knock off, but I think a lot of people thought that Hillary would... Like, I, I don't think that was the media's motivation. No, 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 no. I think no, the media yeah. was going, holy shit, this is a giant shit snowball rolling down a hill at a thousand miles an hour. This is going to get headlined. This is amazing. This and also, I mean, look, there's a people always like play up that the the media just wanted the clicks and the hits and blah. But there's also an element that I have to stress. People remember is that they're humans too. Yeah. And all of us, I think, were enthralled by the shit show that was Donald Trump at the time, because none of us took him seriously. We had no reason to, and he was, like I said, a shit show. <laughs> and everyone wants to see a shit show. Truly. I think also the thing that people forget is that every Republican, if you look at the the polls from March, every Republican was beating Hillary, except Trump. Like Cruz was beating Hillary like 50 by five points. So was Rubio. Both of them were way ahead and Hillary was only ahead of Trump. So I do think a lot of people were like, hey, let's not journalists, but strategists were like hey we should hope donald trump wins because he's the one we have a chance of beating because really they should have beaten him <laughs> like but uh, you Talked know about people, it so many times man Seventy-seven thousand votes people forget how hard it is for one party to stay in control for 12 years 
to yeah. win three successive elections. It's happened so rarely in the US that, like, I I think if Trump hadn't won the nomination, whichever Republican probably would have won. Well, and the Democrats and the left are playing against a stacked deck, right? In that Republicans have the huge advantage of the Electoral College and the Senate system. So we're starting off at a disadvantage, even though we outnumber them in terms of population, um, registered Democrats, people who are farther to the left than Democrats, and left-leaning independents, mm-hmm. we far outnumber the right and Republicans. Um, like, we're, we're playing against a rigged game. There's no other way to say it than it's a rigged game, which is why it's a lot easier for the left to take the House of Representatives than it is to take the Senate or the presidency. Yeah, but I think you see, like, by the 2016 results in the House and Senate, that it was a Republican election all down. Like, right. they won the House, which right. means recall, it was a big day for... Recall that Hillary won the popular vote by 3 million. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. I, I agree, so I'm just if, saying. Like... if everything was allocated by pure popular vote, assuming that those people who voted for Hillary also voted down-ballot uh, Democrat then the left would have had every single house, would have had everything, the Senate, the House, and the White House. Well, maybe not, the, maybe not the Senate, just because they only vote for a third of the Senate that year. No, no, I said, I, I said if, if, uh, if the population controlled the vote. I'm just, you know, it doesn't matter. Sure, not okay, an important whatever. argument. You get what I'm saying. Yep, carry on. We should control it all. We don't because the system is rigged. Anyways, moving on, he says, of course, that he's flabbergasted that the fake news media was coming after his family in this way. He tells us that he read all the newspapers, just like Sarah Palin. <laughs> Says he read the New York Post at home and the Times and the Wall Street Journal at work. Also, why, but why would you read the Post at home if you're reading the Times and the Journal? Like, you I just want know. some kind of tabloidy no, journalism? Like, I don't believe that he read three papers a day. No. I do not believe that in the slightest. But he says that by the time he was on The Apprentice, which I don't know the year on that, early 2000s, probably? Yeah, I was thinking that was a little early for what he says. Do you remember what he was talking about? I think it was like 2005, because I don't remember the year he graduated college. Uh, yeah, and then it was a few years that. after that he was on The Apprentice. Anyway, it's early for social media, which is where he claims he was getting all his news at the time. Right. Like so he fa- said by Facebook then- didn't really pivot to news until Twitter existed as an actual thing because it was threatened by Twitter. So then Facebook p- pivoted to a news feed, which was in like 2011, 2012, probably. Yeah, yeah, around then. But he says that his news intake and awareness increased with social. And I hate that shortening to social. I hate people who just use the word social. Yeah. It's just so, just say social media. Just say social media. Just just fucking do it. <laughs> but it also, I mean, I don't want to say that that's the only way to be radicalized, but we've seen that social media contributes so much to radicalization on the left and on the right because you're able to create your own bubbles and only hear voices that reinforce beliefs you already hold. Yeah. Huge fucking problem. But the fact that he thinks his awareness grew because of social media, pretty, pretty fucking sad because the circles he was probably listening to on social media we're not ones that would be uh, conducive to actually increasing awareness of what's going on. Yeah, in the world. it's a little worrying. Like if you claim to read the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, which are like fairly representative center left and center right papers, it's it's worrying if you think they're leaving out a bunch of information that you need to know. Right. Well, I think it's also gone down to right the tweeting of opinion piece headlines as news. 
And like we're getting way far afield of and because we're just talking about the media at this point, right? Because yeah. <laughs> like the problem of opinion pieces being tweeted as news, and some responsible outlets will clearly label their opinion pieces in the URL, right? So it comes up on social media it, in the little description box. It'll say opinion at the beginning. Yeah. Some responsible outlets will do that. But even those that do do that, if they don't, the people just tweet it out and say, oh, this is fact. But even the ones that do do that, I see right-wing figures tweet out opinion pieces that are labeled opinion and still claiming that they're fact. Yeah. And I know that's a small thing to be upset about, but I think it's a huge fucking problem because you don't need facts anymore to prove anything. You just need an opinion piece writer to say what you want to say, and then the people who support you will take it 100% as truth on face value and not question it Yeah. That's bad, obviously. But I, I also like, enjoy when like journalists who are opinion journalists get emails from people being like, just report the facts. Stop putting your opinion in. <laughs> so like Adam Sower at The Atlantic gets emails all the time. He tweets about it being like, once again, I've been told to keep my opinion out of my journalism as an opinion writer at The Atlantic. Yeah. Like The failing Atlantic, you should say. The failing Atlantic, yeah. if we learned anything from, from Donnie Jr., uh, but we get into now, I think, the meat of the chapter, if we had to label it such. Sure. Which is his examples of the fake news media and all of the fake stories they put out against the Trump family. And well, we start off. Yeah, I mean, first of all, he complains about anonymous sources, which is just how political reporting has always worked. Right. Like, he claims it, he seems to be claiming it started with Trump. Like, oh, all these fake sources started appearing from nowhere. No, like that. I disagree with, with anonymous sourcing generally, especially for like banal shit where it's just like, oh, we were very concerned. Like, don't print that. If it's don't anonymous source that make that person put their name on it. But like security stuff that would otherwise be behind a security briefing or whatever. Like sometimes stuff has to be anonymously sourced. That's yeah. how political I mean, like, reporting works. There was a guy named Deep Throat, a.k.a. Mark Felt, uh, who was sort of important in the history no, of that, journalism. No, that was his name. Deep Throat was his name. I wish he would have changed his name <laughs> legally to Deep Throat. It would have been much more entertaining that way. But we start off, and he says, I can't tell you how many times I've watched a piece on the news, and again, cable TV news is not news. It's entertainment just throwing that out there with a clip of my father saying something controversial and then realizing that I was with him when he was supposed to have said it. I find myself saying to the television, wait a minute. I was at that speech. When did he say that? And this is a tactic that they roll out a lot to claim that there is surrounding context or claim that there's something that there usually isn't. I mean, look at his tweet the other day, the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts tweet, which Donnie came out and tried to claim there was additional context for, and he wasn't saying that you should shoot loot, even though everyone knows he was saying he wanted looters shot. Yeah, but he, he, he then claimed he then claimed it was like, oh, you know, looting looters caused to, the yeah, shooting. Yeah, okay, okay, which is ridiculous, especially since there were some people who went and looked and dug into the background of that quote, and it's pretty clearly a racist quote used to justify shooting protesters. Yeah, from the sixties in Florida, I believe. Yes, yes, I don't remember who exactly said it, but you can look that up yourself if you're interested. But the first example he gives us, he says, is a stupid example of a way this happens, and next he's going to give us a serious one. But the first example he gives us is when Trump went to meet to Prime Minister Shinzo Abe in Japan. Also, sorry, they... Kevin, just before you say this, I, I, I wanted to say, like, what the media often does is sanitize all the crazy shit that Trump says. 
like when you see it in print it doesn't come across as and then right. you watch it like, like you watch the speech back it is heavily sanitized a lot yeah. of the time and clean you up. had the five minutes before and after most of these short clips are taken out of things he said you'd go oh god what the fuck is he saying yeah because nine times out of ten it's an off-ramp. He leaves whatever he's reading off of and goes on an off-ramp and says the crazy stuff because that's when he says what's really in his senile old skull. Yeah, they, so they, they sanitize it and and, clay, and like clean it up so that it's easier to read for people because it's otherwise insanely hard to follow a lot of the time. So that's what actually happens. Absolutely. So this first example he gives us is the meeting with Shinzo Abe when they went to feed Koi in the Koi pond at the... Akasaka? Akasaka Palace? Sure. I don't know if I got that right. Sure. It looks right. That's how it reads. Uh, And Donald Trump dumped the whole box of fish food into the water. And he says, quote, New York Magazine's headline read, Trump under fire for improper fish feeding technique. The entire video, which CNN ran much later, shows Prime Minister Abe dumping this whole box in a moment before... Donald J. Trump, which he says DJT, I hate that stupid shortening, had a quizzical expression on his face, but he didn't want to embarrass his host, so he did exactly what Abe did. And that is true. I looked up the video, and I saw it. They had been spooning the koi food into the water. By the way, have you ever, you ever had a koi pond anywhere? I have, I've never had one. I've seen them. My little brother and I, a couple years ago, dug a koi pond in my mom's backyard and you know, put in, put in everything you need, the pumps and everything, and a bunch of shale around it. Really nice, really relaxing area. My, my parents have an amazing backyard. My mom spends hours every day working on it, keeping all her plants alive and everything. But koi, he's right. You shouldn't just dump a shitload of food in. They, it will kill koi. But the problem is, this article he's citing as an example of how the media takes things out of context is posted under the New York Magazine Intelligencer under their memes tag. Because what it is was a short stub at the beginning about that incident, and then a listing of various jokes people tweeted out about that incident, saying, for example, here's one by at Trivworks, Trump, so Obama just gave them a few flakes? Abe, yes, these ceremonial koi are sensitive to food, and then photo of him dumping it. Then, next one, uh, at Danny DiVito, PM Abe, careful, Mr. Trump, feeding the fish too fast will scare them off. Trump, don't be so coy. <laughs> That's bad. I hate that one. And then a final one, final one, which I found, I actually found funny, at Numbers Muncher tweeted, Trump, you fr- Trump refuses to feed the fish properly until Japanese automakers start making their cars in the U.S. <laughs> it was a joke article. Yeah. It was a fucking joke article. And they actually had to put an update in because people were upset about the article, because Donnie Jr., I'm sure, probably tweeted something about this article, got mad about it, went on Fox News and complained about it. Probably. Because it's so fucking stupid. But the next one we get is the Charlottesville. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one because fuck him, A, number one. Truly. But he's doing that thing you were talking about where he's trying to add context where we talked about. He's trying to add context to the incident to make it not so bad. And he, importantly, leaves out some other very important context. (laughs) So he says about the press conference where this happened, the media that day was in a lather, shouting questions at my dad, trying to get him to say something they could use against him. When they couldn't, parenthetical, DJT is a cool customer in the most heated press situations, they made it up. To which 
I went back and watched that press conference this afternoon because, of course, I did. Yeah. Because I am a masochist. You are. He absolutely was anything but a cool customer. Donnie lost his shit in that press conference. He was red-faced, angry, and yelling at reporters. So don't <laughs> you try and fucking is. say it was the reporters who were worked in a lather. I, I wish he would just say dad, too. Like, I know you already said it's annoying. But, like, just say he's your dad. Like, don't call him DJT. That's weird. Or say, if you want to sound a little bit more professional, say my father. Yeah. That's how I write it in work emails if someone asks me about <laughs> my parents. Yeah. My father. I don't say, and by the way, this is another thing, because uh, last week when we were doing uh, that episode, I never asked you about this, but uh, they actually use mum in headlines in UK newspapers. Yeah. That's weird to me. <laughs> Why? That's just weird, because I was looking up one of those stories, and it was the, about that horrible uh, uh, anti-trans bigot, yeah. and they called her a mum. Oh, I mean, it was yeah. like mum. Mum, mum convicted or something like that. It's, it's, just, it's probably a tabloid. Like the, t- the, the, the serious I think it was Metro. I think yeah, it was I mean, Metro. Metro is like a, it's a tabloid-ish. Okay. But anyway, the important, what he tries to say as context, which makes this all better, makes it all go away, is that, quote, if you watch the whole press conference, you would see that my father was talking about a different set of protesters, not the neo-Nazis or Antifa, not the conflict that exploded in bloody carnage, but the protest about the statue of Robert E. Lee. Some people wanted the statue taken down. Some wanted it to stay and have the park in which it stood renamed after a Confederate general. Now, there are several things that need to be said about that. One, if you want a statue of Robert E. Lee to stay up and have a park named after him, you are, by definition, a bad person. That's Has, didn't point, that statue get taken down today? Uh, it might have. There's been so many Confederate statues, and uh, for to cover our asses, I have to say it's not good to rip down terrible Confederate yeah. statues that shouldn't still be up uh, because you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Am I good, Benedict? Uh, okay. I mean, legally, you you have to say like I'm not going to say that shit. You can say that on my behalf if you like. Don't do it. The official position of the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club is don't do the cool thing of tearing down Confederate statues. Uh, Statement given. But, so point number one, if you're on the side of that, you're a bad person. Point number two, this was the Unite the Right rally organized by neo-Nazis and white yeah. supremacists. So if you don't include the neo-Nazis and white supremacists on the one side, then you don't have very many people left on that side, yes. is the point. Yes. Important point number three. Those very few people left on that side that you're talking about, if you don't include the white supremacists and neo-Nazis, marched with white supremacists and neo-Nazis. They made that choice. Making them bad people. They made and that choice. point number four. Point number four is that in that press conference, which Donnie Jr. does not talk about, pretty deliberately, I would say, is the other statement Donald Trump made where he said he was talking about the people from the night before who were protesting. Or I believe this might have been a few uh, days or weeks later when he mentioned he was talking about the people from the night before. Yeah, I think you're right. Importantly, the people the night before were Richard Spencer... And the actual, literal, white shirt neo-Nazis marching with torches, yelling blood and soil, <laughs> which Vice News, you ha- I, I've talked many times about my love-hate relationship with Vice News, because I hate hipsters with a passion. <laughs> damn, do they have some good documentary journalism. They do some amazing stuff, they and because they're willing <laughs> to just send out a bunch of hipster 26-year-olds 
to go talk to people and ask legitimate. Here's the thing. Their questions are all off the cuff because they're so unprepared and for the most part, pretty dumb. So they're just asking the dumb questions that get legitimate responses. And that works well. They get very good stuff done. But that Vice News report, the one where they followed those neo-Nazis the night before, was, I mean, that deserved awards. That was incredible journalism. Did it win awards? I don't know if it did. Deserved it if it didn't. If it did, good. But point being, that's point number four, (laughs) is that the people he said he was specifically referring to from the night before were the literal neo-Nazis who surrounded a bunch of students around a statue and intimidated them with torches while chanting neo-Nazi slogans. Cool. There were no Ruining tiki torches for the rest of us forever. Yeah. There were no good people on that side. That's the point. That's the point of all of that. So you can dress it up in any way you want. You can say he was referring to other people. There are no good other people for him to refer to on the white supremacist side. No. So the next thing we turn to in this chapter is that the press was brutally attacking the Trump children, going after Donnie and Eric and Ivanka, all of whom, it should be noted, absolutely deserve it because they're cretins. Also, the the media always goes after the president's children. They, you, they, they definitely went well, over after Sasha If they're and of Ronald. age and in the public yeah. limelight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, famous examples of uh, Rush Limbaugh referring to uh, the Clinton daughter as the White House dog aside, <laughs> where that's just a Cretan doing Cretan stuff. Yeah. In general, their lives are covered in some sort of vague way because they're in the public eye. And thankfully, you know, like Baron is not in the public eye, shouldn't be. Hopefully he grows up to resent his parents. Hopefully he grows up to resent his parents. But that's all I'll say about that. (laughs) So the particular example he gives of attacks on Ivanka is the cosmopolitan piece where she walked out of the interview because the interviewer was being so rude to her. Mean. Mean. By which he means asking tough questions. I mean, this is the other thing. They all position themselves as Trump campaign surrogates. So right. when you are, when you position yourself as a Trump campaign surrogate, you're not just a family member. Like they don't really rag on Melania because she's rarely like she's the first lady and she rarely speaks about politics. She rarely speaks. Period. True, but like that's fine. Like so, the reason that you are in the public eye and under public scrutiny is because you are positioning yourself as a, a vocal supporter of and surrogate for a political candidate. That's fairly simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, and this is the other thing, they, they want to call being, they, they always do this, being asked tough questions, the media attacking them. And this happens whether it's the Trump family, whether it's people who work in the White House, whether it's Trump himself calling every question that's tough a nasty question or a mean, whatever he does. He does do that all the time. Nasty question. That's such a nasty question. Exactly. If it's a tough question, it's just a nasty question, and that means you don't need to answer it. In this example that Ivanka walked out of, it was questions about things her dad had said in the past in an interview where she was there to pimp the paid leave program that Donald Trump was putting forward through his campaign. And she was asked tough questions about past statements that Trump had said about women in the workplace and eventually ended up walking out of that interview because, of course, she did. But the next example we get is hilarious. Because the next example is that 
the press created this narrative about them that they were all spoiled rich kids, which they are, of yeah. course. His first job was parking yachts, lest we forget. Yes. But hey, 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 that's for that's part of his white working class cred. Remember that? That is his working class cred, parking yachts. And he brings that up in particular, not that in particular, but he points out that what the press won't tell you about is all of his summers spent in communist Czechoslovakia <laughs> and all the manual labor he did growing up for his father. So what the press won't tell you about is his summer vacations as a child. And which prove that he is not a spoiled little rich kid. Exactly. What percentage of Americans go on summer vacation, even if it's to communist Czechoslovakia? I would have no idea. I think on it's that. pretty I... small. It's I, you, surprisingly small, as you know. And I say this as an extremely out of touch, elite, liberal, prissy person. But it, I think it's like thirty percent of people have like ever been on a plane in the U.S. Or like thirty percent of people have have gone on a plane in the last year. I would think it'd be a little more than that. I don't know. I think that's about right. Maybe in the last year, I don't know. I don't know. But but I I think the overall would be more than yeah, that. Yeah, overall is higher. You're right. So that's all worthless. Who cares? We move on next to Donald Trump and his Donald Jr. rather and his some of his particular feuds with the media. Starting off with Martha Raddatz and a quote hateful column about his father and the press that she put out. Oh, this okay. This Which is we the get. Bit- yeah, okay. We get the obligatory Donald Trump self-tweet quote. Yeah. We have to point it out. Every chapter. I don't think we've had a chapter that didn't have one. No, I don't think so. But, like, this one isn't even that good of a dunk. Like, some of them, you're like, okay, I can see why, like, I you're, I see why your brain is proud of that one. But, like, this one is just, like, it just doesn't really make sense. And it's also, like, even if you can figure out what it means, it's not really a very good joke. Yeah, I think it's it doesn't joke. make sense at all because the Martha Raddatz column that he's talking about was about how the press, and this is right, it's coming on the heels of Donald Trump constantly attacking the media, calling them the enemy of the people, all that stuff. And it's her supporting the importance of the press, talking about things she did as a national security correspondent, talking about other people in the media who did great journalism, talking about, for example, she brings up Dana Priest and Ann Hull, who were awarded the Pulitzer for exposing the mistreatment of wounded veterans at Walter Reed. She point, brings that up to point out that Donald Trump is constantly saying the press doesn't do anything about our veterans, right? Yeah. And they don't respond in any factual or any significant way to the claim she made. He just tweets out, here's the tweet he self-quotes of himself. You crying on live TV on election night probably has nothing to do with the extreme bias exhibited daily by the liberal media. But in case it did, why the hell would any rational person trust the media these days? Give me a break. What does that mean? That means nothing. It's like, oh, you cried on election night and therefore, but but it probably didn't mean that you were biased, but maybe it did. Therefore, why should we trust you? Like, It's just word salad. It's someone who can't respond to someone's actual argument. And again, I should mention, it's not a column. It's opinion, an opinion piece that Martha Raddatz uh, uh, had posed through the Washington Post. Uh, but it's someone who can't respond to that just coming up with a out-of-nowhere attack to throw on it. That's all it is. Yeah, it's all very weird. This whole section is very weird. And then they get onto the Comey stuff, which is equally yes, weird. Yes, because the Steele dossier, he says, was a conspiracy between the deep state, the FBI, and the media. That's a paraphrase of the argument he's putting out through here. But he does say that from then on, meaning uh, after James Comey got involved, the media and the upper echelons of the FBI and DOJ joined forces to essentially overthrow our government. 
which just shows that he argues from hyperbole and doesn't care about the literal meaning of those words. And I don't think anyone in this administration does, because that, this book is just political propaganda. That's yeah. all this book has been throughout the entire Yeah, it's thing. that agitprop is, is what it is. <laughs> but of course, he says this, the Steele dossier, he means, led to the biggest fake news story about him. And that fake news story, he's not going to say, was the meeting in Trump Tower with uh, the Russian agent, because, of course, that was a real story that can't be denied. Uh, it was, in fact, how CNN got an email that was labeled with the wrong date. Yeah. That yeah. was it. Well, also that they can't trust Michael Cohen, which, like, yeah. But, like, also you, your part. Oh, I, yeah, I got it backwards. I got it backwards. The first one is actually the Michael Cohen uh, or Michael Cohen's lawyer, rather, Lanny Davis, saying to CNN that he had information that Donald Trump and Donnie Jr. had met together, Michael Cohen was there, and Donnie Jr. told Don Sr. about the meeting in Trump Tower. Yeah. Which was, again, a mistake in that Lanny Davis lied to a reporter. Yeah, yeah I mean, and they you, had you're a reporting lawyer the news, for an yeah. individual. That's a pretty credible damn source. Yeah. Yeah, it would it seem be. at face value. It should be. And they were lied to. My favorite so, bit of this is when he's like, Michael Cohen is a world-class liar. L- like, how long did he work for your dad? Yeah. Like, uh, okay, uh. interesting. Let's hear about some of the lies that he told on his behalf. Not to mention that all the stuff Michael Cohen said about the affairs and paying off women did come out to be true. It did. So the next one, the next one, the, the one that I brought up already, but which was I put in the wrong spot, was the email implicating that Donnie Jr. knew about the WikiLeaks information before it was released, which was, again, a mistake. It was a mislabeled email. Yeah, which journalists so... correct all this. Like, things happen. The, the, all we can ask, like, at the end of the day, journalists at, let's just say, at print newspapers, put out between them the equivalent amount of words of a book every day. Like, a whole book. Imagine... The amount that could go wrong with that, and relatively how little does go wrong. Right, in and the none grand of that is to say that mis- when mistakes are made, people shouldn't be held accountable, and that journalists shouldn't do everything they can to ensure that they aren't making mistakes. They should do that. They should make sure that they make as few mistakes as, as possible, and when they do, they should correct them. But that's not the argument Donnie Jr. is making. He is saying that mistakes are proof of the conspiracy against my father. When in reality, it's well, your father's one of the worst people we have, period, end of story. And so a lot of these things are a lot more believable given that they're about your father than they would be otherwise against normal individuals. And so it leads the media to believe sources that may not be telling the truth, to believe information that may be wrong, but which they can't verify as wrong until they put it out and then someone has other information that shows it's wrong. That's the sort of thing that they show is conspiracy, proof of the conspiracy. And the only other, well, there are two more he brings up. There is uh, ABC News firing Brian Ross after he reported that Michael Flynn was going to testify that his father told him to contact the Russians during the campaign, to which they fired him for that. They did. Pretty clear case of them (laughs) holding someone accountable for either getting something wrong or just lying. Who knows what happens? I don't know what happened with Brian Ross. I don't know the details of that story. I didn't look it up because that was just a blurb in this chapter. But the other one is the NPR story that Trump had lied to Congress about the timing of the Trump Tower deal in Moscow, which was believable 
because Michael Cohen had lied to Congress about the timing of the Trump Tower deal in Moscow. So I think that made it more believable that Donnie Jr. would have done the same, but it was, again, another mistake. There were two Trump Tower deals going on, and so apparently they had grabbed the wrong one and mistaken dates and things that were going on with yeah. the Trump Tower deal. If this is all you got, like, it's re- that, I mean, they're big really stories, but it's, it's not like he was accused of murder and, like, it turns out the person was still alive. Right. It's not that. It really is the lamest examples of fake news that you can imagine. And there are good examples out there of fake news. I mean, watch Fox News. You'll get plenty of them. <laughs> this but we ch- move this chapter also just has the most boomer energy that I've oh, had. It's just like, it's all the stuff like Adam Schiff, whom I call Bullshiff. And then later on, there's <laughs> the Daily Beast or the Daily Least, as I like it's to call them. So it's so much like extremely crazy... like Facebook boomer energy. It's so much your crazy ants Facebook posts. It absolutely is. But we get, and I know you enjoyed this, at the bottom of page 199, more proof that there was no editor for this book. Absolutely could not have been an editor for this book because he writes, quote, The mainstream media is still free to write and report what they want, and no one is going to stop them. They haven't, however, been fair to my father since his decision to run for president. The mainstream media is still free to write and report what they want, and no one is going to stop them. They haven't, however, been fair to my father since his decision to run for president. Now, I didn't repeat that. I just read it verbatim. It was simply repeated in the book. That was amazing. I didn't actually notice the first time. I think I did. You know when your brain is like, this is nonsense. Just amalgamate it. It's so bad, man. It's so bad. And then there's a random toss out at Mitt Romney uh, where, like, he says, the media still loves Mitt Romney. But, like, no, nobody really loves Mitt Romney. Not really. When he shows, like, the semblance of a backbone, everyone's like, okay, there is a small growth there. That's good. But also right. then he goes, DJT is 100% right when he calls the New York Times failing. Like, by no metric is that true. They have record subscribers. I th- Does he know there's a website? Because he's like, the print media is failing. <laughs> but like, Well, and that's how he backs that up. That's how he backs up that the New York Times is failing. Because he has to support his dad's constant claim about every news outlet failing, which is patently untrue. But he backs it up by saying print media is a dying medium. That's the entirety of his support for that statement, as though that's what his father means by implication when he says the New York Times is failing. Yeah, but like maybe their print subscriptions are. I know a lot of people still read it in print and they have record numbers of digital subscribers across their business, including like they make millions of dollars every year from their crossword app, (laughs) which people pay for. I pay for. You pay for a crossword app? Yeah. Oh, you're such it's a It's not very person. much. It's like five bucks a month or something, but... What? Yeah. You could get a subscription to the paper. I have a subscription to the paper. So why do you pay for the crossword app? Because it's separate. They, they, You pay for it separately. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I don't understand it. I've, ne- I've A, I've never liked crosswords. B, I don't understand paying to play crosswords. The New York Times crossword is great. Everyone should do it. Fine. But uh, the rest oh, of this is this, just... No, well, one sec. The Al Sharpton bit is super yeah. weird. There's a super yeah. weird bit that, like, it, it's a super weird thing to admit. He goes, I'm going to take a big chance with my base by telling you this. I have a friendly relationship with Al Sharpton. What do you think your base is going to think? 
<laughs> Why have you I... written those words in that order? Oh, Benedict, poor you, who has not at one point in your life been a heavy, heavy consumer of right-wing media, to know that Al Sharpton is a race-baiting liar. I mean, he is a who... bit of a charlatan, isn't he? Like, that's a thing that most people now believe. I don't know. I mean, Al Sharpton has, a like, a lot of shady shit in his past. Like, being, at, I think he was an FBI informant at one point, or DEA or something, for a cocaine deal. There's this whole story with a cocaine deal and Al Sharpton. It's weird, man. It's really fucking weird. But, sure, he's also been a major player in civil rights. So there's also that part of it. Uh, but, like, the, part, the right-wing media doesn't care about, like, any of the, the other shit. They care about the fact that whenever... Uh, someone's civil rights are violated, Al Sharpton organizes protests. And because of that, he's a race baiter. Okay. That's that's the entire right-wing All right. media line. Well, we don't have to talk about Al Sharpton, but that was just a weird bit. There's also the Ireland bit. I, thank you for pronouncing the R so I could understand what you're Kevin saying. Kevin was like, what island? <laughs> I mean, it is an island. It definitely is that's an true. island. But yes, he's talking about the visit to... Uh, Duneberg? Dune Dunebeg? Dunebeg, I think is, is how it's pronounced. Dunebeg, in I would say. Yeah. Yes. When they went to visit the Queen. Uh, and uh, this is just bizarre for so many reasons, for one thing. A, they own a club in Dunebeg in Ireland, where he says they employ 300 locals. And the whole point of this story is to say, uh, we went to a bar and some people liked us there. We went to a bar where we employ everyone that works in the town and people said that they liked us is the yeah. story and and okay i i had i of course have never heard of this individual but he says at tubridy's bar and restaurant tommy he oh he he that's a typo he spelled his name wrong tommy turbridy he says but it's actually tubridy a legendary irish footballer raised his pint in toast do you have any idea who that is no okay uh, I think, and this is just me, that it's hard to be a legendary sports star and not even have your own Wikipedia page or a single page anywhere online that I can find that references your sports career. Maybe that's just me, but I would think it's kind of hard to be a legend when nobody knows who you are. He might be. So, I mean, they played like not even football, but like Gaelic football, it's called. So he might be talking about that possibly but is that i don't know what that, i mean that's ma it's legend? massive no it's idea. massive within ireland so it's like a it's a country like you're a legend at your country but level. Do, do they not have sports websites in ireland because again i couldn't find a single reference to this guy outside of the articles that talked about donnie jr going to that bar that was it yeah that was the only thing i was able to find about this guy and then of course the uh the parish priest who said there's a special place in heaven for the Trumps. So they found a few people in a foreign country who liked them. That's the story. There's really not much purpose about that besides the, the Daily Beast, who, again, like you mentioned, the Facebook post, he calls the Daily Least, uh, running the story that he had run out on his bar tab, which it turned out was wrong because they had arranged to have it sent to them, apparently. So, again, just a mistake. And people believing things that are highly believable about a scumbag like Donnie Jr. Yeah, yeah that the mistake that probably all, shouldn't have been made. Believable. But that mistake shouldn't have been made. But it's not proof of a massive media conspiracy against them. No, no. But that's it. That's the end of the chapter. Uh, and as always, I will read the final paragraph in totality, which is quote. 
In my lifetime, the press has gone from Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in America, to Jim Acosta and fake news. It's a shame. Soon, social media will be the main deliverer of fake, the main deliverer of news, and, and that is a shame, I should say. And that's only going to make it worse for people looking for the truth. But he admitted he gets all his news off social media. <laughs> yeah, that is so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, Benedict. Well, we know for one thing, we didn't learn anything from this chapter. Do we ever? No, no, we don't. But it's part of the format of the show, so I have to say it. But. I will ask you instead, rather than what you learned, one question. And that is, if you could publish one fake news story about Donnie Jr. that would get over one million reads, what would it be about? I think I would just do something fun that would really annoy him. Like, Donald, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. doesn't write his own tweets. <laughs> that would be Something good. stupid, but just like, I th- that would really get under his skin, that I think. Would, I don't think you could get any more annoying than claiming something having to do with social media and the Trumps. I think you're right on that. Uh, for me, I would go with um, Donald Trump's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> I think that would be what it was about. Well, anyways, uh, listeners, if you would like to have fun, take part, and uh, uh, give your answer to our listener question, remember that you can have yours read out on the show because we're... Uh, recording this so many weeks in advance i don't have one from last week's show uh but if you guys send one in then i will read it uh, when we record next and all that kind of good stuff but if you would like to give us your answer to this week's listener question which again was if you could write one fake news article about donnie jr that would get one million hits what would it be remember just retweet or share that with the link to the show and we will uh we'll read the best one on the show all right sounds good well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. We we, we had fun. We enjoy ourselves here, right? <sighs> <laughs> I should mention, right, earlier today, I, t- I uh, texted you a picture that I think my little brother sent to me that Dinesh D'Souza has a new book out or coming out. I'm not sure which one. And for the first time in a long time, when I brought up one of the books that we're planning on or thinking about, you got excited. I am excited. I like the Dinesh ones because they're, they're at least like he tries. <laughs> I know. It's so good. I think you're going to enjoy, uh, if we do it, the Glenn Beck book as well because it's up there on crazy level. It's, it's way up there. But uh, anyways, remember, if you can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episode like the one we have coming out you know, before you hear this episode, but this week as we record, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies, the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, the fantastic A.J. Brantley, Taru Takanen, Andrew Jenko, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Becky Scott Fairley, Skeptical Seventh, and Emily Burke. Thank you all for being our patrons. Thank you. That's it for this week's show. Till next time. Which one did I say I was going to do? Um, I am Groot. Goodbye. Goodbye.
about your grandmother's book club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.